0: Welcome to Loveland Advice Givers Podcast, I'm Ron Adams, your guide to personal growth. The goal of this show is to introduce you to local leaders and community servants, to hear their stories, and to learn something along the way. Let's get started. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Today's guest is John Maloney, an enrolled agent. Welcome to the show, John Maloney.
1: Thank you, Ron. Thank you for having me. It's a great, uh, great idea you have here.
0: Yeah, so. well, thank you for coming. I greatly appreciate it. So uh, let's start at the beginning, uh, or where I always like to start. Um, uh, introduce me to 10-year-old John Maloney.
1: 10-year-old John Maloney. I was, uh, let's see, 1966 was 10-year-old John Maloney. I was living in Mentor, Ohio, a, a suburb of Cleveland, uh, about 28 miles northeast of Cleveland if you are familiar with the geography of Lake Erie uh, The south shore turns to the northeast in downtown Cleveland So by the time you got out to Menor you were probably five miles out into the lake if you drew a straight mile from downtown So if you uh, looked you know if you happen to go to Headland State Beach Which is in Menor and look directly to the west you wouldn't see the city of Cleveland it would be out in the lake You see the lake yes
0: <clears throat> so that would be the would that be what you call the snow? What do they call it? Not the snow belt. What do they call that right there, where all the snowfall? Yeah, falls, so that's right? what it's
1: called. It's uh, I don't know the scientific definition for it, but uh, there's only a few places in the world that you have this type of uh, uh, condition, like the West Coast, uh, Seattle, Olympic National Park, Olympia National Park in in northern Washington State, uh, Western New York, anywhere from really where the lake turns. From cleveland all the way up to buffalo and then the far western shore of uh, lake ontario where you have the cold air blowing the prevailing winds usually come from the northwest yeah. to the southeast over the warm water and then they collect the moisture and as soon as uh, they hit a different elevation as they come into the south shore and they go up the elevation goes up uh the mean te- the mean elevation of lake erie is about 555 feet above sea level where I grew up in Menor was about 750 feet above sea level. Uh, where I lived uh, before I moved to Cincinnati was 950 feet above sea level uh, in Concord Township. And there's another town next to that called Chardon, Ohio, which is over 1,000 feet above sea level. So that whole area from that point all the way into uh, upstate New York, up into the Buffalo southern Buffalo suburbs, you have that elevation change the end of the Appalachian Plateau and things like that, and, and it really snows like crazy up there. Interesting. So uh, you,
0: so you, did you not get as much snow as the guys in a higher elevation, or did, um, you, did you grow up in a...
1: We got about a, 65, 70 inches. I mean, uh, Hopkins International Airport on the southwest side of Cleveland is the official measuring point in that market. and. Uh, they average about 55 inches a year compared to here where they get about 18 inches. I was
0: going to ask you that. Okay. Uh,
1: but the weather station in Chardon gets over 100.
0: Oh, wow. You okay. know, annually. Gotcha. So, All right. So, uh, so so, this is like uh, out, kind of outside of Cleveland. So uh, you know what I think of when I think of a 10-year-old and I think of Cleveland? I think of the Christmas story. So, so did, you, like, did you grow up, uh, and was it like a—is Mentor like a, an old town, or is it like a, a, like a, a suburb? Or um, how would you describe Mentor? I would describe Mentor as a, a village that grew into
1: a suburb in post-World War II. All right. Uh, if you think of uh, Cleveland, uh, uh, Cuyahoga County, it's a big, you know, mostly developed—it uh, became the largest city in Ohio in 1900— uh, 383,000 people something like that it, it overtook Cincinnati which was the largest city in Ohio from like 1830 on to to 1900 uh, Cleveland then grew to by 1930 there were 900,000 people in the city you know just in the city proper gotcha and menor and all there was uh, all of the transportation arteries the roads the railroads all run parallel to the lake if you ever hear the um, There's a famous railroad that comes out of New York Amtrak. I think it's called the Lakeshore Limited or something. It goes up the Hudson Valley, follows the um, Erie Canal across the state of New York, and then down the Lakeshore across uh, Indiana into Chicago. And so everything follows the Lakeshore. So if, you know, in 1920, you drove out uh, Euclid Avenue or U.S. 20 out of Cleveland, you'd go through Mentor. It was built uh, right on the edge of an escarpment. Where the elevation changes about a hundred feet to the north, and you know to the south it's more of a plateau, and that road continues goes all the way up to Buffalo. So 1920 was just a little village. The county seat in Lake County, where Mentor is located, at is Painesville, oh, okay. which is a uh, really a, cop, a miniature copy of the city of Cleveland. It's just a little factory town. It was founded in the same same time frame, like 1798, something like that. And so, Menner was just a little village, and then it was relatively flat, and the uh, post-war development, 1950 forward, it grew into, uh, let's say, when I was 10, it was probably a town of 25,000. Interesting. And today it's a town of uh, there's like 60,000 people that live in that zip code. So. How does
0: that compare to, say, Loveland? Like, uh, do you know what our – I don't even know how many. Loveland has there.
1: like 10,000 people in it. Okay. You know, there's like 12 – well, there's more. There's like 14,000 people in Sims Township that surrounds Loveland. Gotcha. At least in Hamilton County and then, you know, the northern part of Claremont. Right. I think there's like 43,000
0: people that live it, in the Loveland zip code. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah and, just to and, in general. Uh,
1: so it's, it's you know, similar to Mentor, where. Uh, you know, Painesville was, was next to Mentor. Painesville was further East. And then after that, um, Painesville, Painesville Township, about 30,000 people. After that, it was pretty much country all the way to, you got to Erie, Pennsylvania. Yep. And then it was country all the way till you got to Buffalo. Gotcha. And similar levels kind of like that where it's country, you know, all the way to Columbus basically, you know, whereas it's, it's urban in one direction and,
0: you know, Right. Gotcha. So, uh, so talk, what? What did what did ten year old John do? Like, what were you into? Did you have a paper route? Or were you well, a baseball uh, player? Like, t- talk to me.
1: Ten uh, year old John Maloney was adopted. You know, I, I was adopted. My parent. You know, my I never. I have no idea who my birth parents are. I was born in uh, uh, Our Lady of Victory Infant Home in uh, Lackawanna, New York, outside of Buffalo. And uh, my adoptive my parents, adopt, you know, my adopted, parents uh, adopted me there, and I was living in Euclid, Ohio, for a while. Then we moved into Mentor. And I lived in a little three-bedroom ranch. I have uh, my uh, brother, stepbrother's adopted. I have a sister that's also adopted. And uh, my mother grew up in Cleveland, uh, had seven, eight uh, brothers and sisters. I have 56 first cousins in Cleveland <laughs> and just a huge Irish Catholic yeah. family. Yeah. Uh, my dad actually was born in Ireland, and he came over in 1948. Interesting, and uh, so it was really a a, a really great ethnic. Uh, Cleveland is more of an ethnic place than yeah. Cincinnati. Uh, people identify you with your ethnic background way more so than anything else, you know. Yeah. So, uh, and because of that growth in the beginning of the 20th century, uh, there were so many separate individual ethnic groups. You know, huge. You know, a lot of Irish people, a lot of Italian people, a lot of Hungarians, a lot of people from Eastern Europe. You know, and most of the uh, well, my mom's relatives came over in the 1850s after the Irish, or during the Irish potato famine. You know, my great grandparents and stuff like that migrated into Cleveland. My father had a choice of going to Cleveland or Chicago or Boston. He had aunts that lived in either, all three of the cities. And so his aunt in Cleveland actually had him a job, so he
0: stayed there. Gotcha you know. so so um so did you did you do any activity like as a kid? Uh, did you when I was any 10 activities
1: uh, 10 was uh, I won the uh, I was I played baseball it was the only sport I played okay <clears throat> I went to uh, St Mary's Menor, which was just the local uh, Catholic school in Menor, and uh, at the time, and uh, when I was in high school, they split the city into four different parishes, uh, but I played baseball. I actually have a patch still from uh, the Menor area uh, Little League where we won the championship uh, in 1966. Uh, and that was probably the peak of my sporting uh, <laughs> my sport activity. I got you. All uh, right. Achievements, um, but uh, yeah, I played baseball mostly. I didn't play football. I've had glasses on since I was three years old, and my mother was, you know, petrified that if I played football or something,
0: I break your glass. poke my eye out, or something <laughs> like that. So that's how uh, that. Yeah, I know. I know how that works. So, so talk to me about uh, uh, school. What, were you, what kind of subjects were you interested in, um, and uh, say, going into junior high and high school? Um,
1: I was really, I've always been fascinated with maps and, and numbers. Yeah. Uh, my mother was a... Me too. Uh, I,
0: I, I, maps, like geography. It's, yes. it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's,
1: it's, my mom was an accountant uh, during you know, her, really, for when she graduated from high school, she worked at uh, Cleveland Pneumatic Tool, which at the time was the largest maker of uh, uh, landing, landing gear. And I think it still is. And they had a couple, three or four different factories in Cleveland. And my mother was born in 1918. So World War II started in 1939. So she was the prime age of working. And I have a picture. I used to have a picture of my office of her sitting in front of this massive ledger. You know, the, back then the ledger books were like this thick and the, for each company. And so every one of your accounts was in this book. <laughs> and so, she you know, sitting in front of that. So she used to do that part time. And I remember sitting at the dining room table watching her do that like when I was you know, like 9 or 10 or something like that. and uh, <laughs> right. So that always kind of fascinated me. And, and believe it or not, a lot of my cousins are accountants and stuff like that too. But um, geography always interested me. Um, that My parents bought us a, a set of rule book encyclopedias, you know, let's say about the same time when I was 10 or 11. And uh, I think I've read I, – I told someone this and they didn't believe me, but I actually read through the whole thing at one point, wow. just read. I mean, just – it was easy reading. and. Yeah. You know, so I was always, and so the geography piece of it really fascinated me. I was having a conversation the other day with someone who I told that I said, "Well, I think I've taken every geography class that any college that I went to ever offered because it was a, it was so interesting." Yeah, I sit in the front row. I, hundred percent. I'd see people at restaurants and stuff, and they'd say, "Well, oh, we got a C minus in that test. What'd you got?" I said, "Oh, I got an a. I missed one question or something." You know, it was it was always a fascinating thing. and I, and I was thinking of saying I I used to say. Uh, <clears throat> as much as I like tax and accounting and uh, that vehicle that allows me to help people, you know, uh, I would I would have been a geography teacher had I been able to make enough the same amount you of can money. You just
0: tell, like, like, like history kind of just rolls out of you. Like, you have a very you, history
1: is a great, so you, great, great thing too. Yeah, uh,
0: because geography and history, like, they they go together, right? I mean, in um, uh, so like, uh, social studies was fascinating to me because the people aspect, but the but the geography drives the, like the people, their behaviors, I think are, are um, driven by geography to a degree. Geography has a
1: lot of su- sub subjects. Yeah. I should note that's not the right term, but uh, right. economic geography, urban geography, yeah. this geography, that geography, you yeah. know, and they've made it, uh, they've created, uh, they've turned those subjects into extremely complex, uh, you know, um. Uh, worlds of their own i right, should right, say right. you know other than just a map and stuff right, like that. a little so, deeper right uh you know why do people live here why do people why did this city is was established here or something you know all, uh 19th century 20th century you know uh, 19th century cities were on navigable water because that's the way they traded right uh 20th century cities or you know the first railroads changed that where you now you didn't have to be on navigable water you could you know, the, railroad provided the, the uh, the trading app the trading opportunity right right you know similar in europe and stuff like that you know and yeah. uh, so uh, geography it was a great subject i really enjoyed it history i, I really enjoy also but you know um, it's not a, a you know not everybody enjoys history or yeah. geography and stuff like that so it's just a hobby I, as,
0: I, as i've gotten older i've uh, more <clears throat> and more I, I recognize that history matters uh, geography, I think drives history. I think there's the two are intertwined in a, in a, a mm-hmm. real, real way. So talk to me about, um, uh, high school. Like, uh, so you're interested in math. Uh, you find that out as a, as a young person. Um, so, uh, so you're interested in geography. Talk to me about your, your high, your transition into high school. And, uh, what, what, what was your first job? Uh, transi- or did you have a job in high school? Transition into high school.
1: I, um, I, Went to uh, St. Mary's from kindergarten to eighth grade, and uh, I wanted to go to a, a new Catholic high school. Lake Catholic High School was a brand new brand new school established uh, in like 1970, 1971 in Menor. Uh, the The Diocese of Cleveland was spreading out. They had established a couple of, and these were not your traditional one sex high schools. These were co-ed high schools. Uh, they put two, they built two in Lorain County, which was on the west side of Cleveland, and they established this Lake Catholic in. Uh, In Mentor, which was at the time 1970, was a city of uh, uh, like 36. It had grown into a city about 36,000. So you know they had a big regional mall there. was a It was a a big market center uh, type type of town. Painesville had you know was not as not as uh, dominant Mm -hmm. as used to be. Stuff like that. So Uh, when I got to um, ninth grade, uh, the high school, the building itself was not finished, and they were they were leasing space out of a, uh, a junior high school in Mentor. I thought, well, I'm, I may not do that. And let's just go to let's just go to uh, public school for a year. So I went to Ridge Junior High for a year, and it was a tremendous uh, a tremendous experience going to a public school, uh, it was coming your first from time? Catholic high school. So to you, you going mainly... from Catholic School. that was the first time.
0: Okay, interesting.
1: And uh, it was a, it was a great experience. I, I still remember that. Um, I had a lot of highlights from that year. Uh, uh, taking shop, uh, you know, it was a totally different experience yeah, of like yeah. you know uh, St. Mary's didn't have anything and right. anything like that or, right. you know, it was a uh, shop they the, you know they ran out of wood and uh you know the, the teacher mr i can't remember his name uh <clears throat> he had a, a buzz haircut and uh you know this was uh <laughs> shop, this was um,
0: shop teachers had buzz this, haircuts. this was
1: the fall of uh <laughs> fall of 1970 yeah. and he had a buzz haircut yeah, and, like ex-military guy and he used to yeah he's he was about five nine he you know really husky and a burly he used to, guy he used to yell out, stay away from <laughs> the teeth. And the teeth was the teeth from the saw. Saw blade, yep. And so no one else was allowed to use that saw but him. The table saw, he, he could only use that. Yeah. And uh, people were taking little two-by-fours and making little billy clubs with it on the lathe. And, <laughs> zzz, zzz, and I never had experienced anything <laughs> like it. Like, yeah. Wow, these people are you know, are, are just out of control. Or, uh, uh, you know, they had a guy... Uh, uh, I still remember his name, Dave Betts. He was assigned to read the book because there was a book for the, Right, right. And Dave used no pronunciation. He used no – didn't just stop in the middle of a sentence. he keep reading just <laughs> just on wrong. purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we ran out of wood, and uh, we we had to play the teacher for checkers. That was our point because, you know, <laughs> you had – I think it was originally set up for like three projects, and we did one project and made this little toolbox – but then the other two point to get points to the other two projects, you had to play checkers with this guy. Yeah, I mean, it was just this, this totally madness. <laughs> and he would just like, you know, if you ever played checkers, you know, you're 10, you're, I was say like 14 then, you know, you play checkers with the guy and, you know, you're with your, your brother or your cousin or something like that. And it takes like 20 minutes. So he'd like beat you in five minutes or something. <laughs> like, you know.
0: Next Merciless. You not know, paying attention. <laughs> you know, yeah. Then he'd yell at you if you lost or something like that. You know. That's awesome. Uh, we have Mr. Bond. Mr. Bond was our, I think, seventh grade shop teacher. And uh, he was the same, same character. Uh, so that's funny.
1: That was wood. Wood was like half the year. And then it was uh, drawing and yeah. uh, metal shop the second half of the yeah. year. And uh, I still do that. The drawing was, was also very fascinating where you could take this piece of paper and draw out something. Yeah. And make a three-dimensional box out of it. I thought, yeah. wow, that's just tremendous. Yeah. And I still do that for when I see uh, little kids or something uh, um, You know, I said, well, here, well, let's, let's make a box. And I look at you like, what are you talking about? So you just draw out a box (laughs) and you just put it together. It's like, here, put this together, you know, uh,
0: that
1: was really, like I said, that was really a fascinating year. And then, um, the uh, high school was finished the following year, so sophomore year I went to the high school.
0: Okay, and, and uh, so so uh, when when did you start working? Did did you have a job during uh, your high school career? I I,
1: uh, I worked at St. Mary's Church for a while, uh, and uh, they didn't follow any labor laws, so I was only like fourteen, <laughs> and uh, yeah. uh, I did now. you know cut the grass stuff like that. But yeah. it was kind of a fiefdom of uh, this guy that I knew, and he was like my age, and he. Uh, had, had controlled the old, the like the uh, little outdoor, the little lawn shop room where everyone was, you know, getting lawnmowers and stuff out of, and that lasted about three or four months. But then when I turned sixteen, <clears throat> which was the uh, summer of nineteen seventy-two, and uh, I was, uh, what was I? I was probably a, uh, f- I'm trying to think of, uh, I was probably sophomore going to my junior or something like that. Uh, started working at Ponderosa Steakhouse, which oh, yeah. was an old chain that yeah, they yeah, were yeah. based in. They're uh, still
0: out in the country. We don't see, I don't think we have any there locally. They were
1: based in Dayton, I thought. And oh, that's cool. So funny. they had a local one. It was about, uh, I didn't have a driver's license at the time, and uh, so I used to walk to it. It wasn't that far. What did you do?
0: Did you wash dishes? Or?
1: Uh, I w- started out washing dishes. That's I think I it was making like a dollar. The minimum wage back then was like $1.60. Yep. And I washed dishes uh, with some real characters who are probably still working there. And uh, you know, so well, you know. I remember in the highlight of that of the dish room was uh, uh, some guy who was like twenty one or twenty two working there. He said, "Oh, are, do you don't know how to get caught up?" And I said, "How?" Oh, because and he just started throwing throwing the dishes away. And he goes, "We're, we're all caught up." <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> that doesn't wait. That doesn't work.
0: And a, and a Catholic kid knows that that's not right. Oh, that's, that's there's wrong. Something wrong with that, right?
1: And uh, it was a great. Uh, it was you know. Other than him and a couple of other people, yeah. everyone was 16 or 17 working there. it was great. I, I graduated up to the, uh, the the potato station where you, you pulled out the baked potatoes out of the oven out in the front because they had that
0: like, yeah, cafeteria
1: yeah. style line yeah, and yeah they had
0: the, uh, like a buffet thing. Right? I used to
1: burn the insides of my arms every time when you'd go in and get the uh, you know the potatoes yeah. you know and then because uh, you had a short sleeve uniform shirt yeah. on and, yeah. and that was you had, they, did, they had a really limited menu. they had like four steaks, uh, a hamburger and uh french fries or baked potato and so i was in charge of getting the fries and everything and then i eventually got promoted to the actual grill where you would actually cook stuff yeah
0: that was always like the the, <clears throat> the uh the your goal as a kid working in a restaurant you wanted to get to the kitchen you wanted to be able to to, to cook those were the cool guys it seemed like to me at the because i did the same thing i worked at a Frisch's in uh, in milford and uh, same thing i was a busboy at first then i went to dishes and that's you know what that's a good place to learn uh, work ethic, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, was, except you know, for the character that was throwing the dishes away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's not maybe the greatest example, but uh, you don't, don't you think you learn so much by serving people like that in yeah, a, like in know, a very direct way. Your
1: parents, you know, teach you work ethic, and they they make sure that you know it was it was a you know it was an interesting job to have. You made your you know whatever sixty dollars every paycheck or something. like that. And back then that was a lot of money. Yeah, and, of course. You know, uh, and you, there were a lot of girls that worked there, so you bet. You know, you had exposure to somebody else, other other women, and stuff like that. It was a totally different experience, and right. Uh, you know, then I uh, got a driver's license the following February, I think. So I turned sixteen in July, and then I, I got a driver's license in February. I didn't have a car, so I had to camp <laughs> out and wait for someone's car. My Mother died in 1971 oh. when I was in high school. Or was was a freshman, oh. and uh, my father got remarried. and We moved from our little uh, ranch that we lived in Menor out to uh, Concord Township, and so I my stepmother wouldn't let me drive her car. I had to wait for my father to you know uh, <laughs> to come home. But the, you know it got old after a while. But it, you know it was uh, <coughs> you you had uh, opportunities to do other things. I used to you know you double date with a friend or something like that. I yeah. first learned how to drive on a. Uh, an old uh, Mercury, little Mercury sedan with a column shifter. Yeah,
0: the three shifter. Yeah, like
1: you can never get it to never get it into second. If you, know. you could
0: drive that, you could drive anything. Uh, honestly,
1: and uh, <laughs> it was it was just as part of the experience. And it was funny. always it was always cold, and you know it was always snowy all the time. And uh, uh, you know you used, to, I used to have to walk down to the end of the street to get the bus. You used to take the bus to Mentor High School. Uh, Mentor had one high school, <clears throat> you know, it was about it. Back then, it was. Uh, uh, just 10, 11, and twelve grades in the high school because there was there were so many kids. Right, there were like three thousand people in the high school, so you had to take the bus to that high school. Gotcha, and then take another bus from uh, Menor High School to Lake Catholic, which was you know, gotcha, not that far away. But
0: so so t- uh, so, take me from high school to your career path. Like like, uh, uh, where did you go? Where'd you go after high school? Uh, and talk to me about your career and kind of how you ended up where you are. Well, I had sort
1: of a convoluted um, college career. I uh, was standing in a Newberry's department store in uh, downtown Painesville probably in 1968 or 1969 uh, when I was like in 6th or 7th grade. And I was watching an Ohio State-Michigan game with my mother on the TV. And that was the probably the point that I decided to go to Ohio State. So I went to Ohio State as a oh, freshman and sophomore. Very cool. And just <clears throat> really became emotionally connected to the place. Even though I dropped out at that point and went to Kent. For a couple of years which kent was an entirely different experience and then i was still short hours and i graduated from a place in new jersey uh thomas edison state college and so that was my sort of a convoluted uh,
0: interesting uh,
1: college career but um what did you, stu- you study at ohio state uh, accounting All, 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 through accounting. all okay accounting. so you
0: kind of knew that going <clears> in yeah like,
1: i you... knew that i wanted to be, always always knew that okay never, you went in with a plan okay never doubted it, it. um uh, two things: one, you could make a decent living on it, and you could help people. Because uh, I, I had known some people who were accountants, and they, you know, they were doing, you really were performing a, a, a service for people. Yeah. And uh, you, know, you could have been, you could have gone, you could have been a teacher. You, you know, could teach geography stuff like that. But uh, I, uh, it just didn't. My mother a... wanted me. A, my mother wanted me to uh, be a pediatrician. Interesting. And uh, I remember. Um, my father asked me one day, uh, so it was like ten or twelve, you know, re- regressing here. You know, he said, "Well, what do you want to do, you know, with your life and stuff like that?" And I said, "Well, I would like to be a policeman because I had cousins that I had older cousins that were policemen, and uh, in fact, one of my uh, distant uh, tail cousins for myself, my mother's, uh, um, my mother's un- one of my un- mother's uncles was killed in the line of duty you know, outside oh. of Cleveland, and her her his son, her co- first cousin was. Uh, police chief in Cleveland Heights for years, and um, his kids were cops, and uh, a couple of my other cousins were cops. Two of my cousins were FBI agents, you know. So I thought, well, I yeah. want to be a cop. And my Everybody father immediately Every said, "Every boy wants to be a cop." That's crazy. You know, no, you know, you don't <laughs> want to do that. And so that that ended that.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and so I, 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 you know, maybe thought about it at one point. It, you know, but then I thought, you know, it was a good decision never to do that because it's. Yeah. I had some uh, tax clients who were policemen, and um, it's just a thankless, brutal yeah. uh, it's, vocation yeah, yeah. is what it is. Yeah, it takes a special—like, uh, it, it's a real— Whether you work in the suburbs or, mm-hmm. you know, certainly in the city, a city proper like Cleveland mm-hmm. or Cincinnati. Right. And even in the suburbs, you're dealing with the absolute yeah. dredge of society. It, exactly. And so it's really something that's, like a, like I said, it's just, a, it's just simply a thankless vocation. Right. And I think that you, you could have never had a— yeah, and I couldn't see how you could possibly have had a normal
0: right. life or anything like that. Right? That, yeah, these guys are special, no doubt yeah. about it. So now you're, uh, so now you're at Ohio State. You transfer to Trent, to Kent. Kent I'm sorry, to Kent, which is like uh, northwest. Or is that like Northwestern northeast
1: Ohio? Kent is uh, really a suburb of Akron.
0: Okay. Okay. Gotcha.
1: Uh, if you look at the geography, um, the Cuyahoga River starts in Upper Jagga uh, County and goes all the way down. Uh, Through the northern, through Kent, through just Cuyahoga Falls, the northern fringes of Akron, and it goes back up to Lake Erie and Cleveland. Okay,
0: so 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 you, how long were you at Kent? Two years, and then the Thomas Edison for just a a couple of classes, just to finish up. Okay, all right. So uh, so, but you knew you. It sounds like like okay, I'm going to be an accountant. And and was there any like was there a particular person that inspired you to go that direction? My mother. She just yeah, She you. was you know, And you like the that. math And you'd seen her do it Gotcha So that was the inspiration And
1: it, it provided you That vehicle That you could make a living And help people
0: yeah, Gotcha Good for you, you know. Alright
1: uh, You know Being a teacher Is a great vocation It's another vocation But you know You really can't uh, Yeah I, You know I was I was thinking about it um, A couple of weeks ago A friend of my daughter's Is a teacher And she teaches second grade I thought You know I, I just couldn't sit there And watch all these guys leave yeah. And then have another group Of people come you know how could you do that year after year after year? You know you get attached to yeah, these people. Yeah, Not that that's you know I I just, that's just my emotional like. Yeah, me oh, too. you know I'm a relationship stayed. guy. Yeah. Where are you
0: going? Yeah, exactly.
1: Uh, but uh, yeah, so that you know I always wanted to do that, and so um, I got out of school. You know I got a job with a, a family company that uh, developed real estate. It's kind of a mini Donald Trump kind of thing. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, you know. <laughs> yep. Uh, and um, they were fairly disorganized, and I learned a lot about that business, you know, being in there and stuff like that. Right. They uh, uh, had developed apartment buildings in Cleveland and, you know, out of state and stuff like that. And they were based in Cleveland. So, and then I, I always wanted to start my own, have my own practice. That okay. was something I always wanted to do. And so, uh, someone that worked there uh, knew someone that had a small practice and uh, um, needed some help during tax season. Uh, and so I started doing that and I did that for a couple of seasons where I, you know, I still worked there at this company and then I worked on the side, you know, helping this guy and, uh, he helped me start my own practice and I shared an office with him for a while.
0: Good for you. And so how, how long, had, how long had you been, uh, uh, working there before you decided a, to start your own?
1: Just a, about a year and a half,
0: something like that. Okay. Good for and, you.
1: Uh, that opportunity came up to get that exposure. And so, uh, we had an office in a little two-story building in South Euclid. Which is a suburb of Cleveland, and it was all all uh, sole practitioners in there. Very and, cool. And uh, everybody was of various different ages and stuff like that. And so uh, I got I was able to get everybody's uh, clients that they didn't want, or uh, you know, people that had been in business for twenty or thirty years and they had ninety six tax clients, and they didn't want another one. So yeah. when client number ninety seven came by, they <laughs> sent him down there to uh, go downstairs to John Maloney. His <laughs> office is right off the that's how you know, that works and, and yeah. you know and so if you had any kind of question also you yeah. could take it to oh, anybody 100%. Uh, like uh, almost know. like
0: an apprenticeship right back I mean, there you, you got these uh, guys upstairs that had been doing it a while
1: uh, back then um you know returns are done by hand i used to do them by pencil in pencil and then copy them and that was the hard copy yeah and then uh maybe in the mid 80s uh, the first software came along and we we everybody in the building went in on it and we bought the program and uh we uh, that you know the program then did back then seven or eight forms or something mm-hmm. like that and uh, and so that it just grew you know I I tell the story of these everybody had their own personality the guy next to me was a CPA attorney and one of his kids worked there his wife worked there and they had another clerk that worked in this place and you'd see him he'd come in he'd have a suit and tie on and everything he'd be all dressed up well by five o'clock he was down to his t-shirt <laughs> he had no shoes on. <laughs> You know, I said, Coleman, what? you know, you know stress, <laughs> And, you know, he, he, he stayed in business for probably 40, 50 years. I mean, That's he, awesome. He, uh, last, I haven't seen him in a long time. He was, I was at, he was at my wedding. He came down, we got married in Cincinnati, but all that kind of stuff. So that, I did that for a long time. And then, uh, I, uh, got married, you know, uh, got married in 1990, had three kids, uh, and, uh, was still living in Cleveland. And then, uh. We had bought a house uh, on Edgecliff Road in Euclid, which is an inner suburb of Cleveland. And um, uh, all, this, no, all, the, all the north-south streets in Cleveland are numbered, if you knew that, if you knew mm-hmm. that. So uh, we lived at 21050 Edgecliff, which was, I probably shouldn't give the address <laughs> up, but. Uh, <laughs> Might not be safe. <laughs> um, so that's how far away we were from downtown. Oh, so gotcha. we're at the oh, gotcha. corner of 210th gotcha. and uh, I gotcha. 211th and uh, Edgecliff. Gotcha uh so um it was right across the street from lake erie i mean mm. so the houses on the other side that were backed out onto lake erie had much larger lots and so the sun set in our dining room every night <laughs> you know i mean every you know in the summer at least because yeah, cause yeah of the, you know. i got to and so it was really a nice unique little house and so we had two kids in that house then we moved out to concord township where i fulfilled another goal of i wanted to build a house i always wanted to build my own house and so i was the general contractor uh For a a house we built in Concord, Um, and it took about eighteen months from waking up one morning saying, "Wow, maybe we should build our own house," to moving in. You know, the uh, sun—the sun was
0: bothering you. Um,
1: (laughs) It was—it 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 was was a close-in, and they they had good schools there and everything. But you know, I had grown up in Concord. I'd lived in Concord, high school and stuff like that. It was just outer. Outer suburb and uh,
0: gotcha. Not what you were used to. And yep.
1: we had more land. There was no land to, to buy anything yeah. in Cleveland or in uh, Euclid, so we did that. And uh,
0: so you built your own house.
1: Yeah, that, that was uh, we got subcontracted out. Uh, a lot of the people that worked on it were clients of mine. Were tax clients and stuff. Yeah, like you probably so, see these guys regularly. Uh, it yeah. was a great. Uh, it was a great experience. It you know it was really extremely expensive and probably you know uh crazy expensive. One of my clients uh, designed it. He was an architect, but. Uh, it was, um, you know, it got to the point where uh, my practice didn't grow fast as fast as uh, I wanted it to grow. We had another kid. We had our third child when we lived in that house. yeah. And so uh, <clears throat> that opportunity came up to uh, move to Cincinnati. My parents had died. My dad died in 1994, so it was a few years after we had moved into that house. right? Or, excuse me, he died right, right before we moved into that house, actually. And so... The opportunity came up to move to Cincinnati. My wife had been working in Cleveland when I met her, and, when we got married, and uh, her parents are still alive. And so uh, our kids are really little, and it was a great opportunity to move here. Interesting. And so uh, we moved down here, and uh, I got a job in a small firm for a while, and then. Uh,
0: I was going to uh, ask you that. How, how do you t- take a, a single practice like that that you built, you know, over time in in the Cleveland area, and then move? I guess you got to start over. Kind I of uh, actually thing, right? sold it. Oh, you did yeah. smart. I was okay, because you, you uh, had yeah. a client that you had a you had a customer base. Yeah. And <clears throat> smart. Okay,
1: I had it for fourteen or fifteen years. So I had actually bought uh, a group of uh, tax clients at one time, and it was funny that it uh, wasn't exactly you know it was totally misrepresented as to what it was and stuff like that. You know, right. Like uh, Six or seven hundred files, and there's only three hundred clients out of it, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. You know, one of those deals. Uh, it was a great learning experience, but I was able to sell it and
0: <clears throat> moved down to uh, Cincinnati and oh, got a job. Cool. And uh, So here's a cool uh, thing I know. like about uh, CPAs uh, uh, in particular. Uh, also, um, tech guys, you guys get the chance to see the inside of a lot of different businesses. That's fascinating to me. Like, it, you know, when you're doing a, a, a dry cleaner's taxes or you're doing another businesses, you get to see all of these different aspects of, 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 their business. I think that's, that's fascinating. Um, and we'll step away for, for a minute, uh, and we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by salesperson to superhero. My new book that tells business owners how to find your purpose, tell your story and execute your mission. Pick up your copy at www.salesperson2superhero.com. All right, so we're back. So last we last we were speaking, you had uh, moved from Cleveland to Loveland, as I'm I'm assuming. So or Cincinnati. Your wife gets an opportunity. Talk to me about that.
1: Okay. So we, uh, we had decided that after, um, we, you know, we no longer had grandparents living in Cleveland. My mother had died in high school and uh, my dad had died, you know, prior to us moving or just prior to us moving to our, the house that we built. Uh, we had decided basically to, you know, the opportunity was, you know, possibly to move to Cincinnati. Uh, my wife's parents are still there, still here at the time. And, uh, she grew up in Kenwood just above the mall. And, uh, uh, it was, it was a great opportunity for our kids cause they were really little at the time and, uh, to move and, you know, wouldn't disrupt anybody's, uh, uh, you know, friendship right, situations right. or anything like that. So, uh, we decided to do that. We uh, came down, we moved down. I, I got a job at a small firm, uh, similar to what I'd had, uh, in Cleveland after I sold it and, uh. We had just kind of, uh, you know, moved up here. My wife uh, basically told me, well, let's just drive out Montgomery Road and we'll find somewhere. <laughs> and she had, uh, you know, because she grew up on the east side, she was very familiar with it. And so uh, uh, Kenwood is, you know, off of Montgomery Road, essentially. And uh, uh, we found a place in Loveland that we rented for a while. And then we built a house that uh, we just moved out of. And we built a house right on in, in Sims Township. And... Uh, uh, the, like I said, our kids were really little, and we were able to stay in there for a, a seventeen and a half years, I think something like that. We just moved into a house in uh, Deerfield Township, a one story, uh, where we'll you know probably be buried in the basement or something at some <laughs> point. But uh, uh, you know that was you know we we had a colonial, we raised all our kids there, everyone had, you know grew up in that house essentially because they were so little. So right. Uh, it was uh, so, you
0: had, so. You had to sell your. You had to sell your business. Uh, I sold the practice. Left.
1: Yeah, I sold the practice. It was. Um, it was time to sell, and I was. I was either going to have to buy something, buy a practice, or uh, sell mine, or get a real job. It was really what it came down to, because <laughs> I had started it when I was single. I was yeah. tending bar on the side. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, well, I didn't. It just didn't. Uh, you know, it wasn't really that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and so when I got married and I started to have kids, and you really had to have you know a, a lot of income. Right. So, uh, that's where I was at that point. So it was okay to just sell it. You. So and, uh, you had,
0: you had a valuable I, asset uh, so you and, sold I, it. and
1: I, you know, I did that.
0: What was your okay. plan coming down here? You work for another firm. Uh, I got a, but- I got a
1: job at another firm and, uh, just go from there. Yeah. And, um, uh, I, uh, kind of, um, got away from, um, public. I had been in, I, I got a job down here and, uh, I sort of got away from public. I had been doing, you know, 1040s for 15 or 16 years and, uh, uh, I got a job with a uh, basically a consulting company, you know. Uh, after a little bit of time spending here, uh, being here, excuse me, and I stayed with that for a long time, essentially. And uh, that consulting company allowed me to uh, do tax work, essentially, in in big com- big corporations, which I would, had never done before. I'd never had that opportunity. Uh, you know, the Johnson and Johnson, Procter and Gamble's of the world, you know, big you know right. companies where you did maybe one piece of uh, Uh, the tax return or you provided support for something or you did some internal audit and stuff like that. It was a, uh, it was a really interesting experience and uh, it it paid okay. It paid well or not necessarily well, but it uh, provided uh, uh, myself an opportunity to not only uh, work and travel, you know, uh, but also to uh, spend a lot of time with my kids. Yeah, Uh, I remember uh, somebody, a friend of mine when I was growing up, uh, their parents, uh, you know, worked all the time, and they, you know, they had six or seven kids, eight kids, and, you know, nobody knew who the father was, I mean, because, you know, he worked (laughs) 24-7 for 20 years, and, you know, you'd see him in the mornings, and, who is, you know, oh, our our dad's here, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, he's home, and he's, he wasn't home when we were little, but uh, he's home now, so. I thought that was uh, not the greatest idea, so you, I tried yeah. to spend yeah. as much time with my kids as possible. And my wife worked and allowed that to happen, and it was just a tremendous experience. I Good for you. Uh, coached CYO basketball, CYO for my daughter, for one of my daughters and my son. I uh, coached soccer for a while until I, you know, I had never played soccer, so I knew that was a yeah. uh, mistake. After a couple of years, but uh, yeah. both of my daughters, you know, learned soccer and did did very well in it, and. Uh, Good for you. Um, you know, the COIL basketball wasn't necessarily a huge success. Actually, I was an assistant coach on the team that we won the championship in third grade, which was the first year. But <laughs> after that, it was downhill. I love uh, it. But, so, uh, so you know.
0: all the time, I'm assuming you're you're building this practice. Well, wait, wait a minute. You haven't left. <laughs> yeah. you, you haven't left your your the other yeah, company I, uh, yet, right? I
1: actually. Um,
0: so yeah, let's let's the, start there. How, how did you start? Go ahead. The practice
1: itself was kind of an idea going. You know in the background. I really got away from it after a while. And, uh, I, I, you know, after I sold it, my practice in Cleveland, I really got away from that. I mean, I I did did public accounting for a little bit, but then I got into this consulting group and, uh, that was, uh, not 1040 business, you know, and that totally got away from it. And, uh, uh, really did that for, um, eight or nine years. And then I was traveling, uh, really the last couple of years, I was traveling a lot, you know, most of the time actually. And, uh, I uh, was up in Columbus a lot. I'd be driving back and forth most of the time. I mean, uh, where I lived in uh, Sims Township at the time, was like 95 miles to downtown Columbus, so it wasn't an impossible uh, commute. And then I decided to, I uh, <clears throat> had an opportunity that, that just came about. Uh, there was a company in Cincinnati that needed a, uh, a tax manager in-house. They were moving from an outsourcing you know, uh, situation to bringing it in-house, their tax compliance. And I talked to him about it for three or four months, and then I, I took that position and held that for about four and a half years, and that you know gave me an opportunity to do that just by myself. And uh, it, it was a different uh, concept altogether. There was no busy season. Uh, you know, you filed one consolidated tax return, things like that, and so uh, you know the, the the it it was really. Uh, Something that I, I really kind of wanted to do because I had been in the consulting, you know, for so long in the corporations and things like that in corporate, you know, corporate America. And uh, that, that was an opportunity. And so after uh, that ended, because uh, we they had merged with somebody else and they had gone back to uh, the outsourcing because it just was more economical for them to do that as opposed to, uh, uh, you know, adding more staff. I, you know, really needed a staff to take care of uh, the company after we merged with this other company. Um, I, I sort of then went back into public and back into the delved back into the public and uh, uh, I realized that nothing had changed uh, in the 15, you know, 14, 15 years that I had been away. <laughs> That's uh, scary. Tax, <laughs> tax was still this seasonal animal that, yeah. uh, you know, you work six or 700 hours uh, from, you know, mid January to April 15th. Yeah. Exactly. And then it was nothing after that. Yeah, I mean exactly. it was all you know, yes, there was some business after that, but there really wasn't. And yeah. um uh, and I thought, damn, it just it just hasn't <laughs> changed. I mean what it, you know? What the heck? Uh it it just never changed. Yeah. I, I and I I kind continued to kind of sour on it after that. I think, well this yeah. is just it just hasn't changed. Um, you know, one of the uh, one of the negatives of of having your own practices, chasing people down for money and stuff like that. You know, yep. you have a lot of clients yep. who pay you on a regular basis, but uh, you know, uh, every May I used to walk across the street to the South Euclid Municipal Court and file claims against you know yep. the people that didn't pay me or bounce checks and yep. things like that. Uh, and, uh, my wife never got over the fact that, you know, one, one month you brought in $6,000 and the next month you brought in $500 or something <laughs> like that. And that was just the manual billing thing that yeah, you were doing and things like that. And, uh, <clears throat> obviously today there's, you know, way more products available that you can have a continuous uh, stream of stuff. So, right. uh, I, I kind of delved into that and then I had an opportunity to, uh, back into public, you know, in getting that, uh, Oh, it's just so seasonal still. It's just incredible, you know, and, and, uh, not a lot of firms do accounting work anymore or stuff like that. I mean, everyone's just tax or, you know, nothing. Right. And, um, uh, I had an opportunity to go back into corporate, uh, and I, I did that. I did that for almost two and a half years. Uh, and at Ethicon in, in, um, blue action, there yeah. was a, a tremendous experience of, uh, it was close to the house. You didn't have to drive downtown anymore. Uh, <clears throat> I had to, uh, you know, they had it. you didn't have, ever have to leave. They had a cafeteria. You could walk through the place. You know, uh, the interior was so big and there, was you could walk like a mile and a half without going outside or something <laughs> like that. I was in a walking club yeah. where they <laughs> were competing that's for hilarious. mileage. You know, you got you a know, big building. You're when competing you for steps, you know, or something like that. And they would yeah. publish it. And uh, you'd go to New Jersey and meet people who'd never met you before, it, yeah, but they knew you company. from... They knew you from the walking club because they'd see they publish it. So yeah. oh, you're John Maloney. You uh, won the walking club last week or something like that. <laughs> you know, 60,000 steps or 70,000 steps or yeah. something. You know, some people had 150,000 steps. Say, what are they doing? They're not working. They're just, you know, <laughs> just be running running in place. <laughs> <the heck? clears throat> Excuse me. So what in was place, the genesis sort of, of your… So then I uh, I really uh, <clears throat> kept thinking about it to the point where, okay uh you know now you today i figured now today you could probably um you could make uh, a a living off of just working the four months and so that's that was my basically this the stimulus gotcha and so, uh, so how
0: did you start the company and, and uh and when, what 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 went into that decision what was the what was the moment where you decided oh am well, just gonna it's really and, uh, uh, and, and also if you could tell me what an enrolled agent is because i have no clue what that means
1: the uh the practice is still in its infancy and it's still moving forward on, on a regular basis for the most part uh uh it's still kind of um you know it's still um the motivation is still there to serve, to help people, to serve yep. serve clients. Uh, there's a lot of business uh, out there. You know, uh, the tax law just changed. There'll be way more business yeah, in the coming are, couple of years. People don't know what to do now, uh, right? And so that it's really kind of morphed into that. Uh, and so it's really kind of an infancy kind of thing. It's always been there, right. and just not uh, maybe generating... Uh, any kind of uh, material, so you you know, you're, you're just ramping it back up, and something like that. And so it's just a matter of uh, you know, uh, going out there and, and you know just promoting it, just really in the uh, uh, you know, the same mindset of, of the past. But yep. uh, you know, just just taking the opportunity to say, okay, uh, not ready to retire, but I could do this. <laughs> exactly, you know, I can make it. A, you know, I can earn an I can earn a good salary just during the four months. Five exactly. Months and then the rest of the year you do something else or you gotcha. know things like that. And I know people that are really busy for 4 months and and just kind of do, you know, <clears throat> oddball things, yeah,
0: excuse me. 100%. I know I know <coughs> a couple uh, myself. So what is an enrolled agent? An enrolled
1: agent is uh, a a licensing regimen that is governed by the Internal Revenue Service. You know, you're licensed by the service. Uh certified public accountant is licensed by statute state by state. Okay? You have to pass an exam, seem to be a CPA. You have to have a four-year degree, uh, and each state has a separate licensing regimen that that manages CPAs, similar to attorneys. Uh, the IRS, you have to pass a test, but you don't necessarily need a degree. I have a degree in accounting, but you don't need a degree, you know. And if you look at, if you think about the tax regimen in itself, in its entirety, uh, you don't have to have any kind of um, qualifications whatsoever to do tax returns for people. Uh, you sign it, you charge money, and, you know, you can sign. It, you have to sign the return. There's a document called Circular 230, which governs the preparation of tax returns that the IRS has put out. Uh, and there are, quote, registered tax registered tax preparers, which is kind of uh, uh, in legal limbo, you know, at the moment, because it's, it's people have sued saying, you know, we don't have to register to prepare returns, things right, like that. Right. Uh, and so... Enrolled agents were established uh, after the Civil War to manage uh, federal claims uh, from the Civil War that were coming from the South and other areas, you know, uh, General Sherman, people like that who, you know, destroyed p- private property, things like that. People were filing claims against the federal government. And so, uh, so and, the Andrew Johnson, I believe, the who, who followed uh, President Lincoln. Started this program, you, know, you were an enrolled agent. You represented the government's interests in these cases and these these activities. Interesting. And it kind of morphed into uh, uh, being, you know, the IRS after the 1913 enactment of the income tax. The current you know, current income tax started in 1913, and um, so that's that's where it comes from. It's, it's licensed okay. by the IRS. Uh, you have to take an exam. You you have to um, reapply every three years with your uh, you know. Um, Continuing education. Interesting. Uh, you have the same rights to represent people in front of the IRS as attorneys and CPAs. Attorneys have an additional uh, right that they can uh, represent people automatically in tax court. Uh, CPAs and enrolled agents have to take an additional exam <coughs> to uh, represent people in tax
0: court. Gotcha. So, so who is your ideal client? Who who, who is like who is right in uh, uh, your the dollars? ideal
1: client would be uh, somebody that has, uh, let's say. Uh, <clears throat> A salary, maybe has a small business, something like that. You know, uh, salaried client, which is uh, you know a lot of people. Uh, maybe somebody um, you know that lives. Um, you know, Loveland has a great demographic for it. Uh, Loveland, Montgomery, this this part of the you know the county. Um, uh, small business, you know, something like that. Small In addition owners. to that, yeah, small gotcha. business owners, uh, people that don't have necessarily a lot of. Uh, accounting expertise, but, you know, rely on, on just, just someone to do the, the paperwork for them at the end of the year, gotcha. you know, for the most part and then be available to have answer questions or uh, kind of give, uh, provide guidance for, you know, things like real, you know, retirement, uh, uh you know, uh, saving for college, things like that.
0: You gotcha. <clears throat> so how does that, how does your practice say different, uh, from say most, like I, 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 uh, in my mind, here's who, like, I, I use the tax guy who, uh, Uh, who I've just uh, was in the real estate business. So I, uh, I met him and had been using using him for years, but he does, um, um, he does just normal tax returns is what I would say. Like people who have W2s and whatever. Mm -hmm. So uh, obviously somebody who itemizes like, like like a small business owner like myself or mm-hmm. somebody, um, is is that more of a specialty? And is that something that is, that that would be a normal regular client? You
1: know, gotcha. I, I would think that somebody that doesn't itemize either could do the, themselves or you know you'd go to H and R Block or something like that. Or, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Jackson Hewitt or you know, there's a there's a lot of people that do returns. There's like two million people that do tax returns, and only uh, like four hundred thousand, I think four hundred fifty thousand, are CPAs, and there's only 35 40,000 um, enrolled agents. I
0: got gotcha. you. Do know. you help? Do you help them on the front end structure, LLCs, that kind of a thing, or is that, is that a different uh, those are legal issues? Plan? Okay, those, gotcha. You know,
1: those become legal. You know, performing legal services, things like that. I mean, you could say, well, you should incorporate or you uh, should uh, do so that. that. was. That's really but, what I was you know, asking. Yes, uh, you know, you could incorporate, and this is what would happen. Uh, yeah, exactly. You could make a subchapter S election, and this is what would happen, things like that. Now. A lot of that stuff is in play because of the change in the law. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, C-Corps, people are getting away from C-Corps because the 35% tax rate. Uh, you couldn't get any money out of the C-Corp unless you borrowed it or paid yourself a salary or paid yourself a dividend, which you then had to pay tax on, which yeah. would you would then double, double your taxes. Yep. So your effective tax rate pulling money out of a C-Corp was like in the 40% range or something like that. Now it's dropped you know, down to 21%, but you still have the same issue of having to pull the money out of it. Yeah, exactly. So your effective rate is probably much lower by, you know, lower than it used to be. Uh, you know, <clears throat> Subchapter S Corps, which is a legal corporation, in, which is governed by the states, uh, you make a Subchapter S election to be taxed as a pass-through, essentially. Uh, the Subchapter S Corp did not incur, was not the entity that paid any tax, all of the income And a lot of the deductions simply flowed through to the shareholders. Gotcha. Uh, You know, any income that you made from a subchapter S corp was considered unearned. It was a dividend essentially. So, gotcha. Um, And then a partnership is the same way. It's a you know, pass through. The partnership entity, you know, prior to any kind of tax change, uh, was not a taxable thing. Everything flowed through the. You know,
0: so what partners. do you see as the big changes in the tax law like like what are you what are you like brushing up on like what are you what are your biggest concerns about some of the some of the new changes uh,
1: my overall biggest concern was the bankruptcy of the whole government because of the revenue issues they're not you know they've gone into the hole by a trillion dollars uh, the reliance on the supply side theory to bring in money to cover that which doesn't necessarily you know uh, have any you know? You don't know if that's going to happen. It's an unknown. Right. And then three would be the uh, <clears throat> the actual change of of people's structures, you know, business structures where they may have to reorganize themselves. You know, uh, C corps where you you know, current C corps. Let's say uh, if you had any deferred tax assets or deferred tax liabilities, things that you know uh, were timing differences essentially from your tax return to your accounting records. Uh, have to be recalculated now from the 35% rate down to the 21% rate. Uh, you know, a lot of things you hear in the news that you know companies are taking charges for this or charges yeah, for I saw that. that. Like well, that's because they've adjusted their deferreds that are balance sheet items, and uh, they have to take charges on that because they're now worth less than they used to be. Interesting. You know, deferred tax asset. Uh, you know, it's like a refund. You know, you're expecting money from the service, and uh, now you're not going to get as much, so you have to, you know, take the you have to write down that loss. Uh, you know that and then uh, you know what strategies you're going to get let's say going forward as to You know should you be a C Corp? Should you be an S Corp? Should you be a partnership? Uh, you know there's a lot of talk about uh, imp- Current employees, you know, yeah uh, going in becoming contractors things like that there's a lot of rules that govern whether you're a contractor or an employee things like that which are not necessarily set in stone, but I mean, they've been used as guidance over the years because that's always been a, a major issue of people not actually hiring people, having a, a company full of contractors yeah. who they're controlling, yep. and they're theoretically um, employees.
0: Interesting. So they
1: should be paying the employment tax. The whole they real be estate paying, business you know. is like that.
0: Like, real estate <laughs> is like that. The whole contracting, you know, uh, all builders, most of the, they don't have, not not all of them but most of them don't have full-time employees they've got uh, 1099 subcontractors and yeah, so yeah but you know a, so lot, of like a, guys, a lot of those guys a lot of companies are
1: like that a lot of those people could fall under the employment definition and should be employees and the you know the, these guys are just not paying the employment tax they're not paying you know a lot of stuff and the service has been after people for a long time on for 10 15 years where, you know, here, uh, this, these people are employees, so you got to double. The, you're, you're now then paying double Social Security, and, you know, you're paying the payroll taxes, you're paying unemployment, you know, things like that. And uh, I don't know if that you'd be able to, that'll be another challenge of working around that.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what that looks uh, like. And
1: it's just a, uh, it's almost a, um, it's, it's almost the beginning of like a breakdown of uh, the employment you know, structure right. uh, of the country. You know, where people are no longer going to be employees or something They're like that. They're all going to
0: be uh, contracted out. Which is, one uh, at a time. you know, uh,
1: you go down to a Venezuela type of place where, you know, 90% of the people are day workers.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just, yeah, right. You know, uh,
1: <clears throat> you're, you'd be buying, you know, uh, P&G was selling diapers out of vending machines because people couldn't afford to buy right. more than one or two at a time or something like that. You right. Know? Uh, I will you say know. the
0: benefit of, like, I know some builders who have their own framers their own contractors and so forth there's a big benefit to having in-house people because you have control like when you're when you're uh, you know when you're subcontracting each contractor it's hard to control uh quality so i uh i could see the benefit of that but there's a there's a lot of businesses that that are you know all there, 1099. There's, there's
1: a lot of construction like in home construction you know, a lot of these guys have their own and they're not necessarily their own but they have the normal contractors working they have the same electrician, the same plumber, the same rough carpenters—you know—doing the work. Right. We, you know, house after house after house, and these <clears throat> these guys are all separate companies. Yeah. So, gotcha. Yeah.
0: They're on framing. So, all right. So we've heard your story, your personal story. We've heard the company story. <coughs> um, let's wrap this up, and we'll talk to me about how, if somebody needs a, a, some tax advice uh, with all of the changes that just came up, how do they get a hold of you? Um, what's your preferred method that they contact you? Uh, you can
1: email me at john at johnmaloney.com. All right. Or you can call me at uh,
0: 513-476-0930. And uh, small businesses are probably your, like your ideal yes. kind of customer. Right. Okay. Right. And uh, you mentioned something about uh, you do some work for the uh, Cincinnati Blind uh help me with that. Uh it's, can you can you just do a little <clears throat> bit of plug for that organization and what you do it, for them? It's and-
1: the uh Cincinnati Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired. Interesting. Which is a mouthful of of words. Uh there's I think there's a Cincinnati Eye Bank or uh, in Cleveland it was called something else. It was a uh uh Cincinnati uh, the Cleveland uh, Society for the Blind or something like that. And uh it was started back in the um, <clears throat> maybe 1900 1902 by uh, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, a Kroger relative and somebody else in, in the city of Cincinnati to uh, enable uh, blind people to actually work. And they they did the theoretical make the brooms and things like that mm. uh, in various places. They had a facility uh, down on Central Parkway, like, at the same time. Yeah. And uh, they're now on Gilbert Avenue. They've been in the same building for 20-some years or something like that. you volunteer there? And uh, there was a volunteer program available. I, I had found out about two... Uh, Actually, you can come in, and uh, I think it runs uh, 12 or 18 hours a day. They have programs that are broadcast out on a, a closed-circuit uh, radio uh, that you can obtain from the society uh, if you are blind. And, and they read newspapers, magazines, uh, all kinds of things. Uh, I, I currently read uh, 7 to 8 a.m. on Saturday mornings. And we read the Washington Post.
0: And, and you read it into what? Like a microphone? Yes. Or? Yes. So you record it? It goes out, it's recorded,
1: it goes out live. Very cool. Uh, In certain, some hospitals it's broadcast live.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Some retirement homes it's broadcast live. Yeah, very cool. And it's, um, I always thought it was really interesting and I thought I picked the 7 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. time slot because it's the least... uh, interrupting other than sleeping yeah uh, it doesn't get in the way of anything and the uh, first
0: appointments are always the ones um, you can make yep
1: so you know during tax season i can go to the office at eight after eight o'clock in the morning on saturdays and not interrupt anything and uh uh, we 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 were reading the Cincinnati Enquirer, but uh, the Enquirer has shrunk down to the point where you know it just doesn't have any content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the Washington Post is uh, <clears throat> is loaded with content. So, That's awesome.
0: You know. Well, good for you. All right, uh, John Maloney, thank you so much for coming by. We really appreciate Ron, thanks it. Thanks for the opportunity. You're a great uh-huh. storyteller. Thank you. We appreciate it. Have thanks. a good day. Okay. Thanks. Cut. Nice job. Thanks.
1: Well, thanks for you the have opportunity. A nice radio voice too. Thanks for the opportunity. That
0: so. Uh... Yeah. Thanks for listening to the show. If you know of a local business owner, entrepreneur, or community leader who would be interested in being on the show, please nominate them at www.lovelandpodcast.com. We value your feedback. Leave us a review on iTunes or email me at ron at lovelanddevicegivers.com. And until next time, remember, whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you're right.